blackest night There was no moon inside You know the stars ain't shining Cause the sky's too tight I heard the scary wind I seen some ugly trees There was a werewolf walking along the side of me Welcome back to uh, yet another weekly Toronto Beer Podcast. Not necessarily hitting uh, every Friday, but we're certainly getting out apps more or less every seven days. So uh, life goals of 2017 continue. That's uh, that's positive. Uh, again, as uh, stated last time, uh, or if you weren't listening last time, and this will be news to you, Mandy away uh, for a couple weeks running a brewery. Turns out takes up a lot of time. So we're giving her a couple weeks off. She should be back uh, late winter. Uh, but in the meantime, I am being joined by a veritable cornucopia of guests. And I am super stoked to uh, present my, my co-host this evening, Ren. Nav- is it Navarro or Navarro? It's, it's Navarro, like the rock star and the uh, Blue Jays baseball player. Yes, fantastic. Uh, Ren, newly uh, moved to, are you K-Dub, Kitchener, Waterloo, Guelph, Cambridge area now? Is that right? Yeah, I'm in Kitchener now. Wow. How's that working out for you? Uh, I still start every line with, in Toronto we do. <laughs> so you're you're still Toronto self-righteous, obnoxious. That's great. Oh my gosh, yeah, totally. Yeah, that doesn't go away. No, it never does. Well, I say that. I've never left Toronto, so who knows? <laughs> <laughs> as you do right. and remind me who are you with now you left uh kensington right and now you're with i'm with descendants beer and beverage company yes that's right that's fantastic and uh and and how's all that going you having a good time settling into the routines oh my god it's fantastic i mean i still haven't given up my toronto end of the business so i'm still out there every so often um nice. and then otherwise it's getting used to southwest ontario and people saying have you been to this street and me staring at them blankly being like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, for real. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I, I don't really get out that way too, too often. Uh, but anytime, I mean, I go you know, cottaging and stuff like that. And, you know, anytime you get anywhere really out of the city and you feel like, man, it should be so simple. Like this is wide open space and like, you know, I, I just, I can't, I can't figure out why I'm having so much trouble navigating around here. It's so hard. And I don't, yeah, I'm with you. Like everyone, but the, the thing that everyone explains about here is that there are streets that move north, south and east, or like there's weird things where it's like, mm. this street shouldn't do it, but it does. And I'm like, I'm never going to learn where I'm going. <laughs> actually one of my funniest uh preconceived notions uh which actually could play into the theme later on uh was uh we eric and i had gone to niagara on the lake a couple of times after we'd gotten married and i had some friends going down and uh they were like oh yeah what should i check out and i was like okay you got to go to this shop here you gotta go to this but i was giving them directions saying things like okay so this place is just north of mary street and this is just you know east of whatever of stone road and whatever but i was doing it based on the fact that in my world the lake is always south oh and in Niagara, the lake it's north it's yeah and so when they came back they were like yeah we found everywhere you told us about but like you you literally gave us exactly the opposite directions oh god <laughs> And then I, the penny dropped. I was like, oh, oh yeah, you're on the other side of the lake. That's, 
that really screws things up a little bit especially when you lived in toronto your whole life (laughs) yeah and that's and i yeah i don't give people directions out here because i don't know where i'm going (laughs) (laughs) sweet okay well we uh we'll dive in here we always do the uh what are you drinking right now uh i myself have uh, I picked up a couple of bottles uh, uh, two weeks ago before I went to hockey. I popped into Radical Road Brewing, the newly minted uh, in Leslieville, which is fantastic. So their Shoreline Saison, which uh, it is. Oh, that's the kind of Saison I aim to make most of the time when I'm making a Saison. It's like spicy. It's very, very bright and tropically. It is just fantastic and effervescent. I, I dig that beer a lot. So that that I think I could see becoming a bit of a regular around uh, around the old Schreier homestead. What have you got uh, going tonight? Uh, I have cracked open a Royal City Brewing Company Earl Grey Porter. Oh, interesting. I haven't, I haven't had that. And that's a, that's an interesting uh, flavor. It's idea. yeah. It, I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge Earl Grey tea fan mm-hmm. and you, you have to be, cause this is, this is Earl Grey tea. Like it's, it's huge amounts of bergamot that hit you straight in that phase. The finish is a complete porter and it's just like, it's the easiest thing to drink if you're a huge Earl Grey fan. <laughs> yeah, for real. Is the porter like more on the chocolatey or more on like the roasty coffee kind of side? It's got more of the roasty. Um, All right. it's, I mean, that, that Earl has got enough of a kick to it. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking it could come out almost like a Terry's chocolate orange in a way. Cause you know, sometimes bergamot can kind of kick a bit of orange out when it gets into the high end. But, uh, <laughs> but still that's interesting. We, one time, uh, me and Mark Murphy with, uh, who's it with? I think it was with Spinney brewed a, uh, uh, an Earl gray mango pale ale. No, was it mango? Yeah, I think it was. I think it was, yeah, Earl Grey and mango, and uh, that was that was an interesting one. I, I never ended up actually getting to try any of it. Oh no! But, uh, I know, you know, after it had aged out on the fruit and stuff, Mark had gone and done the craziest thing ever and opened a brewery. And so, for all I know, it might actually still be in a keg in in a cooler in his basement, just sitting waiting. But. Uh, yeah, who knows? But uh, but we never got our hands on that one. But it sure, the the samples we were pulling sure tasted nice. So, yeah, nice Earl Grey and beer. I dig it. Uh, yeah. So yeah, we're gonna we're, we are gonna just throw ourselves to the uh, the 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 floor here and and uh, get the theme going. Which uh, it's funny because when I reached out to you, you'd actually mentioned ages ago that you'd be happy to come and do a guest spot that you enjoy coming on the old beer podcasts. And at the time, we weren't really doing guests, um, but obviously with this uh, Mandy hiatus, that's exactly uh, the, what the doctor ordered. So I reached out. And of course, the immediate uh, thought for a theme is to talk about diversity in beer, because obviously it's something you've been hugely involved in. Oh, my gosh. Uh, And then I had to ask you and say, well, but do you actually want to talk about that? Because I could understand if you wanted to say no. No, you know what I want to talk about? I want to talk about beer events uh, for sport. I want to talk about like like the beer mile and yeah. <laughs> uh, a dart league. And uh, but you didn't, in fact, graciously, you said, "Nope, never get tired of talking about diversity." And it uh, uh, with the events of well, I'm trying to think when this podcast is going up. It might even be yesterday by now. Um, 
but the the debacle in the U.S. and uh, and just even you know not to be purely pointing fingers across the border, just the regular occurrence coming up uh, here, even in Toronto, of various ways that uh, particularly around gender stuff, uh, the beer community still isn't as welcoming and uh, equal as it could be or should be. Let's say um, it just keeps on keeps on coming. So. Um, let's start. I mean, let's start there. Let's start with gender-based stuff. You've been doing a lot of stuff with Society of Beer Drinking Ladies. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Do you want to elaborate a little bit on what you guys are up to, what you do, like sort of the mission and, and how you play that out? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're actually just coming up on our third anniversary this month. Um, and it really was created as a space for women in the industry to get together have a couple of drinks, bitch about your life, um, kind of, you know, not, not necessarily just sit and complain about things, but be able to hang out, have a bunch of beer with a bunch of women who get it. And when, when we first opened it up for tickets, we ended up not closing the ticket sales thinking, you know, like 40 women maybe. Um, and that first event was like 110 women. Yeah. And, uh, and, and ever since then, you know, we, we always had a charitable component, so we have paired with the Canadian Women's Foundation. Um, and they do everything from helping women find affordable housing to education to stopping sex trafficking to helping um, girls and women with empowerment. And, you know, just like those basic things of like believing in ourselves and knowing that we can do things regardless of what it is. Um, and I think that ties back in wonderfully with our mission of being you know, you identify as a woman. So that's like cis, trans, you know, questioning, uh, fluid, whatever. And yeah. you're, you're able to come into a safe space and try a bunch of different craft beer. There's no pressure for you to say, you know what you're drinking. So, you know, I mean, you're going to say, let's say you're the old gray Porter. You like it because you like something that's florally, but you don't understand all the nuances or you don't even care what they are. You just drank it because you liked it. Yeah. And, and that's, that's what we've basically been running. And that's kind of the whole movement behind it. You know, the five of us all at one point or another worked at Great Lakes and that's how we kind of all got to know each other. Yeah, so, totally. So you know, cool. it's, yeah. So, I mean, we all have our stories of working in the beer industry and this is the one thing where we just didn't want it to be that it's a platform to be like, I am woman, hear me roar. It's just, I'm woman and I like beer. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that uh, certainly kind of out of the gate I appreciated uh, was that, and I don't have an example to point to that does it necessarily wrong, but the, there's always the concern or that uh, the, the worry that, that, you know, you can almost kind of make a, a, a feminist cliche out of it where it becomes like you say, like, it's like, uh, you know, I don't know, like. It it becomes like you say, like the I'm woman here, or, or like even worse, where it actually plays into some of the gender based stereotyping that takes place, where it's just like almost rebranding it. And I've always just felt like I'm like, yeah, this is just a good beer event designed in a way that it becomes accessible. And it's funny because I, I like I'll even confess, not with uh, what you guys are doing, but with some early examples of stuff, not even in, in craft beer, but I'm thinking back to like 10 or so years ago, a conversation I had with somebody because I was saying like, I don't know, like I worry that that sort of an event makes a ghetto where you can bring people in and then they never are able to grow out into 
the the like normal you know what i mean or like the broader community and actually i mean one of the main things that came out of it was there's a movement in a lot of churches to try and make a sunday service like hip and cool and use lots of video and lots of music but then if there if the church wants to remain with the way that it normally acts it's very difficult to transition from the cool, fun, easy, accessible into the broader one. Yeah. And I know uh, when I did live in Toronto, there was a church that was just down the street from me that started doing like craft beer Mondays. Oh, yeah. And and part of me was like, that sounds really cool, but that's not why we go to church. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, it's exactly it's just, it. you know, there's, there's almost that. And like you're saying, there's that, that like, we're going to be hip today, but then how do we take a step back and say, this was actually the original piece? Yeah. And so with, with you guys, I th- I've actually, it's funny. I still never been, I know dudes are allowed in after midnight, yeah. um, but that that's past my bedtime, Ram. I don't know. <laughs> um, but, uh, I, my perception is they're normal events. It's like, there's an array of beers. You can try them. (laughs) It's in a bar or in a a space. And, uh, so to me anyway, like the early indications was, I was like, well, there isn't a risk of that. These are normal events. If the women who come in find themselves enjoying that, they might then be inspired to continue going to other events. Like it, it does, it does what it should. It's a safe entryway uh, to to get it get exposure to the to the scene, which I think is great. Well, and that's uh, and that's exactly what you want to do, right? I mean, it's you allow someone to come in and say, I want to learn about beer, but I don't want to be mocked for it. I want to go to a beer bar, but I don't want to go by myself because it's going to be a lot of guys. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean like no diss on guys, but sometimes a single woman doesn't want to sit in a bar by herself. <laughs> yeah, no, for real. You know, and it's, you're not going to try an eight percenter for the, the entire night and be like, this is going to be a safe thing. <laughs> you know, and we, and we wanted to really be able to say like, we'll give you that safe space. And, yeah. and, you know, I would, I would say 90% of the events have been on the subway for the few times they haven't been, we've teamed up with Uber to make sure that women can get free rides home. Um, nice. you know, we've thrown a couple events where they are, uh, everyone's welcome. We did the women of beer last year with the craft. Uh, mm-hmm. we're doing it again this year. That's open to the, to the general public. Yeah, that's coming up soon, right? Yeah, that'll be on the 18th of February. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I, even in my cocoon of getting ready to go to Nicaragua, I've actually been aware of some stuff coming down the pipe, and that's one of them, so that's cool. Yeah, and we're looking at like 18 to 23 breweries, and everything will have been brewed by a woman. Nice one. Yeah. yeah. Um, what, with that in mind, not that event, but with the idea of um, kind of, yeah, making a safe, safe entryway. What sorts of things? I mean, I know there's some pretty obvious stuff as an individual, but like for people listening, if you're involved in the scene, if you're involved in a brewery, if you're involved in a bar, what are some things that, that you think of when you think of like making a safer spot for a woman to enjoy a beer that maybe isn't super obvious. So like at Castro's, we, uh, we, (laughs) we're pretty good with sloppy drunk dudes, hitting on women who are clearly not interested. We, we, we have a system, like we know how to deal with that. Um, that's, that's, that's pretty obvious, right? But what are some more sort of less obvious things that, uh, that, that you kind of have identified or that you, you feel aware of, uh, when you're out sort of in the, the wider scene? 
Um, I, I mean, well, today I worked an event and I had a guy mansplain beer to me. That's always nice. <laughs> That's always great. I, briefly, I was at an event and I felt pretty bad. Um, I was serving a beer and uh, I served it to somebody and explained what it was like, not in a bad way. I wasn't super mansplaining, but I can't remember how I worded something, but it was just a little too close. And then the woman was a brewer and I was like, Oh, Hey, hi, hi. Oh, so, no. so tell me, what do you think of the beer? <laughs> yeah. And well, yeah. And I got mansplained my own beer. So, uh, nice. but I mean, it's just things like that where it's, you know, if, if someone misidentifies a beer or misidentifies a hop, like dear Lord, uh, don't, don't jump on that. Don't, don't take that moment to be like, I think you wanted to learn a lesson about this because mm. unless that woman turned to you explicitly and said, Hey, can you explain what this is? She probably doesn't want to know. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like there's, there's a rare moment where you're like, gee willikers, could you explain this to me? Right. <laughs> and I, and I think that's, you know, it, it gets forgotten. Um, and I, I think that was, you know, back to that whole need for a group. It's what, what also happens is when a beer group gets created, people latch on it, I'll latch onto it to be like, this is going to be the group that helps us break into things. You know, it's like, I saw a recent thread where it was like, how do we get more women to come out and do these things? And everyone said, let's pair with the SOBDL. And it was like, mm-hmm. but we're not the only ones, you know, there's, there's other beer groups that, you know, it's Bradley's angels. And there's like, there are people who are educating like the public in general, Crystal Luxmore, mm-hmm. um, you know, Robin LeBlanc, like there's just, there are enough women out there who are writing things like this Toronto booze hound. Um, so there's, there's stuff out there where it's like, don't forget there are multiple numbers of women. There are so many female brewers who are like, and I always, you know, and I shudder at saying female brewer, they're brewers. And right. Right. Exactly. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. We've dropped the term. Yeah. We've dropped the term Brewster a long time ago. <laughs> And so it's just like, let's, let's just reach out and get these people and say, Hey, do you want to do a talk? Do you want to do these things? Like we know you've got mad knowledge, but instead everyone says, well, we'll just pick one group because we, Mm -hmm. we know that group and they're out there and it's like, yeah, but is that the right group to do that thing? Like if you want to educate people, like maybe Barley's Angels is the better way to go or, you know, or like. Crystal and Tara Luxmore, like the beer sisters. And just, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, we need to stop being lazy and saying, because we identify or we see this one group of women or this woman, they're always the go-to, mm-hmm. you know, like the, Mirella's there, like, you know, and I just like, as I say it more and more, there's like so many more women that are popping into my head and it's like, guys, <laughs> like yeah. just, you know, and it's that same thing when you go to a bar if you're the the one woman who's sitting there and knows her beer, everyone's like, Ooh, that's weird. You know, your beer. And it's like, it's not weird. <laughs> yeah. Would it be weird if it was wine that I knew? No. So it's not weird that it's beer. Yeah. And it's just, yeah. it's, it's one of those things where we need to get away from this whole thing about being, you're a woman, therefore you like the following things. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I can like those things, but I also like beer. I like gin i like whiskey like but all of those things are fine to like but when i say beer people go "Ooh, that's weird yeah and it's it it just it it's one of those things where it's the frustrating cycle of how do you get that to end well and the thing is in a scene that so vehemently 
stands against like macro products or like the big three style beer where Budweiser is sold, I was going to say on the backs, but it's mostly on the chests of, you know, bikini clad women. And so that in so many ways we want to thumb our noses at that culture, but we still now I realize that's because sexism is, is more uh, pervasive than, than just, you know, macro issues like that. But that when you, so the, when you, the situation you were talking about when people pointed out, just talk to the society of beer drinking ladies. I was one of those people. Um, <laughs> yes, but, but I did, but I did respond to your comment and I said, <laughs> there are others. There, exactly. are, others. Yeah, there are totally others. Um, but, uh, but the, the thing that gets me is like, you would hope that if you make the mistake as a dude of being pretty, you know, head up your ass about something related to, to gender issues around beer, that when you had it pointed out to you, your reaction would be one of, you know, contrition, not one of active um, pushing back. Because again, culturally, we're supposed to be in a different place. And so even if you realize like, oh man, I was wrong about that. Okay, cool. Now make it right. (laughs) Like don't keep being wrong. Well, and it's, it's funny. I mean, part of why I'm always like, I will talk about this topic is because it always comes up. Um, right. and I was, I was talking to Karen from Wellington brewing today and we, we got onto this whole topic and I said, you know, growing up as a kid in the eighties, there aren't, I mean, I don't remember everything cause it's a long time ago, but we started talking about beer commercials and I was like, well, I kind of remember the Clydesdales when they started. I remember Spuds McKenzie, but I also remember Spuds McKenzie with a bikini clad woman. Hmm. And I don't know what that has to do with beer. Right. I mean, I think of like, you know, Duff Dog beer maybe, but. Right. Um, well, let's be honest. The Clydesdales don't really have anything to do with beer either. Well, but at least they tied it in as like the Clydesdales pull the beer to they you. They pull the beer card, sure. Right. So like yeah. it, it was, it was a little more believable, but yeah. you know, we, we were talking about that whole idea of a bikini clad woman holding a can of insert big name beer here and the can is sweating and instead of drinking from it, she licks the can. And I'm like, no, you're oh. doing it wrong. Like <laughs> I thought yeah. you were thirsty. No, because you know what? She might actually be really smart and she might be using it as a form of a still because she actually doesn't want to drink alcohol. She is actually thirsty and has no access to water aside from the water, which is in the air. So she needs the condensation to, to, to collect somewhere and, and to she's keep her opted alive. to use a cold can of beer. I mean, maybe, but you know, and, and I've, I've, bless her soul. Honestly, I'm going to use that all the time now. Um, but there, you know, there was the, the whole, and I, I talked about this in a bunch of different spots, but Colt 45. So, and that's, that's one of those, it kind of breaks out into kind of, kind of, uh, advertising to women, definitely advertising to men. And then, you know, basically targeting the black community. And, yes. and so the whole Billy D. Williams cracks a can of this and suddenly he's surrounded by like 18 women and they're all like, oh my God. And he drinks this and he's like, you two can be like this. None mm-hmm. of the, none of the women actually drink the beer. Right. Um, and then I think it was a year or two ago, they actually talked about bringing it back and doing Ugh. Colt 45 updated commercials with Billy D. Because people still drink Colt 45. I guess I never even really thought about that to be perfectly honest with you. I didn't even know they still made it. 
I've, I've seen it occasionally, and they, this speaks to exactly that. I've seen it occasionally at LCBOs in Scarborough, um, in in the big the big uh, the big container. Like it's not a small it's not a small vessel of beer. Uh, but I just assumed it was there for the same reason that like Laker and stuff like that shows up, which is there's some sort of local market, I guess, but I didn't think about that. They would still need to be advertising it, but there you are. Yeah. Like it's just, it's so bizarre. And then, you know, you, you start kind of taking a step back and saying, okay, there are more, uh, women as sales reps, there's more women in production, there are more women in brewing, but you look at these labels and you realize that, well, we're all getting hired, but something about those labels tells me that we haven't quite made it as far as we should make it. Yeah. You know, you, you see these, these labels where it's like half naked women who are in these weird seductive poses. And it's like, I don't know about you, but when I drink my beer, I'm not on my knees because my knees are horrible. I'm, <laughs> I'm wearing a hoodie and jeans. I'm not in a bikini. Like that can doesn't speak to me. You no. Know? But the thing is, I don't know who that can speaks to. Yeah, it's weird. Like I, I try and kind of reconcile it out a bit where like I, I completely understand the, the way that you can hit a dude's conscience by just splashing some boobs on something. Um, and it's, it's funny, like, but again, again, in, in our industry, it's weird that that separation hasn't been made yet. Like, no, no, no. Like we don't do that. And I mean, to be fair, a lot of breweries don't do that. And, and you have to assume there's at least a somewhat active, uh, action there where it's not just that, that great lakes hasn't gotten around to horrifically objectifying a woman on a label of their beer. They've said, no, we're not going to do that. Um, you know, uh, whereas other breweries and I don't particularly feel like pointing fingers, although I just saw one today that I didn't even, I'd never seen one of this brewery's labels before and not from Ontario, but with uh, the back of a naked woman on the label. And it's from a very, very respected brewer. And I went, ah, really? No, uh, it's, I know, um, Ben Johnson, maybe a week ago kept posting labels for, uh, for beer that was called dirty blonde. Yes. And, and I mean, what did he posted like a dozen labels and one was like, yeah, that one's okay. Right. And every other one was these weird seductive poses that it's like, if most of us sat like that, we wouldn't sit, we wouldn't stand up afterward because mm-hmm. your spine would be crushed. And, <laughs> and it's, but it's back to that same thing where a brewery will say, we want to engage our female fans and we want to get them in and we want to do this and blah, 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 blah. And then they turn around and they throw that out and it's like, really? Or do you just want my money? Right. Like there are enough breweries that just go with really plain labels or they go with characters that are fully covered. Um, you know, and it's, <laughs> right. it's this, this weird, like, okay, you know, and I mean, thinking of, of the breweries that I've worked at, like none of them have done anything weird where it's just like, dude, really? Yeah. You know, I mean, right now descendants has, has three characters that are fully clothed right now. They're women <laughs> like right now they're men, but right. you know, like female characters will be introduced and everything about sure. it is like an easy peasy thing. 
what's funny too, like we've opened ourselves up here, although we don't have that huge a listenership at the, the Toronto Beer Podcast. Uh, but, uh, you know, when you say something on the internet and then you're like, oh, I better fact check that one. I started thinking about Great Lakes because I was like, well, now hang on. What was oh, the, the um, package for No Chance with Miranda? No Chance with Miranda. But then it occurred to me, it's entirely possible Miranda was like on board because that's a real person. Yeah. So, right? yeah, I don't, it's that, not it's not a representation even necessarily of her, but the dynamic shifts when it can be like, no, this is actually a picture that represents the person who this beer is named for. And you you get closer to objectification, the, the more clothing that comes off. But as I recall, it wasn't no, a particularly she, indecent picture. No, she was wearing and, a, yeah. a long black dress, I think. Although that might be you might also be thinking of the Audrey Hopburn, which was a long black dress. Which again was a tasteful picture. Uh, it's an iconic picture, really. It's a, a take on that that classic uh, cigarette picture. Yeah, I mean, and it's you know, and and for any missteps that they ever made, they were pretty fast to, to fix them. But the thing is, it's it's one of those things where breweries either realize that hey, this was a thing that wasn't cool. Yeah. Or what they've what I've been seeing in a huge number is they go and take the whole haha, just kidding. But, you know, and I mean, I, I don't want to drop names of, of beers, but there's ones where I think of and it's just it's it's a girl and it's buxom and it has nothing to do with the beer. It has nothing to do with the brewery. You know, it's it's one of those things where it's like your brewery name doesn't even evoke a human. So why yeah. are you taking that route? Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh my God, you read my mind. Um, and I just, and I, and you know, and that was one of those ones where they came back and they're like, well, we're just kidding. Right. And it's, but it's almost like making a really horrible mom joke, making your friend cry. And then you're like, oh my God, I'm just kidding. Right. But then you don't take it back. Right. No, and, exactly. And, and then and you tell the, the joke again a week later. That's right. And it, here's the thing. Like I think about times when breweries have made potential missteps on labeling and you can see it and you're like, that's a joke that between two or three people, you know, would be considered acceptable insofar as their relationship is concerned. But in a broader perspective is just completely unacceptable. And 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 so you kind of see that that's that's different than like, oh, we were just having a jokey marketing campaign. It's like, no, no, you're a horrible person, actually. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but you took you took the time to, like, get those printed and put them out in the public. That's right. The graphic designer worked on this project. And, yeah. and it, I just like I know my mother in law always says it's easier to beg forgiveness than ask permission. But there is a moment where you need to take a step back and be like, is my mom going to slap me for what I just did? Because the answer for a lot of those labels is she should be slapping you with a baseball bat. Right. Yeah, definitely. And God, God help us if you have a daughter. Like, and I just, I feel that we're still at that weird jokey, jokey, huge quotes around that phase where people are doing the, well, we're just kidding or we really love women. So that's why we put them on the label. And it's just back to that whole, but yeah, really? Because that has nothing to do with your product. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's that, that problematic. I mean, there are labels where I'm like, it's okay. It's not great, but I can't explain why I'm going to give it a pass. Like let's, let's say naughty neighbor. So the original, right. na the original naughty neighbor label gets a pass from me. 
because Ugh. I know. Okay. And it's, but it's, it's one of those, it gets a pass because if I compare it with the old label and the new label, the old label made sense. Right. Because it was that, you know, Buxton, yeah, yeah. the Bucks like Uncle Sam. Uncle Sam. It's an yeah. American pale. I get yeah. it. Yeah. I, I don't understand the current like naughty nurse style pose on it. Is she, a, is she a nurse? I don't, I confess to not really getting that bureau that often, not uh, partially because of the labeling and partially just because of accessibility. I always thought she looked more like a hippie. So, okay. Let me actually, and I'm not testing you here. This isn't like, uh, well, I'm going to come back over the top, but I'm actually just curious. Cause I had a similar thing where I started trying to reconcile it. Some of the beers that I was continuing to buy, despite the fact that, at least some people, if not a lot of people would say, oh, that's got a pretty bad label on it. Um, so what about, is it True to Diablo does Delsa Succubus? Yes. Which has a very sexy label that is, it's tough, right? It's a succubus. That's how they're generally depicted in art. But that depiction is an objectification. Like, and it's the name of the beer, so it does fit. It helps that the beer is really good. <laughs> well, see, and that's, you know, and that's, that's the conversation that you end up having where it's like, okay, so I give a pass to this beer, but I don't give a pass to this beer. And it's a woman right. who's, who looks really tough, but she's also wearing, like, if she sneezed, she'd be naked. Oh, definitely. But, God, she looks like she could cut you with, like, a, a pinky nail. So it's it's that thing you know and i i just i don't know i mean it's it's like what are we what are we putting out there for the world and is this why we have a a women in beer problem or is there so much more to it yeah and i i mean really the the short answer is there really is so much more to it um because you know i mean i've i've only been in beer for what five years now Mm -hmm. and in those five years i've seen the number of women like jump incredibly you know the the joke used to be that you'd be like oh i saw a female beer rep today and you could like name three women you'd be like oh no it was her um and i you know and and when i think of it now it's still like oh i saw a female beer rep and you can be like oh was it and then name like 10 women Mm -hmm. but in terms of if we bring in like race it's i can name 10 women and i was like oh no it was the black one and then it's like oh so you saw red <laughs> right exactly <laughs> right which isn't let's let's actually transition into that now that's a that's a good transition and we 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 flirted with it with Cole 45 but uh but thinking about i mean people of color and very specifically like just not white dudes for the most part we've covered off some stuff with women but uh but i mean yeah that people of color would be, you know, disproportionately underrepresented in the craft beer community. And, uh, I've read a bunch of different things kind of exploring those, the, the reasons why that could be the case. Um, but I've never really kind of been like, eh, I feel like there's something obvious here. Like, yeah, yeah, I totally gel with that. I'm always like, Oh, those are some interesting ideas. That's interesting. Marketing differences historically. But I just, I don't know. What do you think? I, I, I always struggle with it. But, sorry. Can I hang on a second? If you're listening and you don't know who Ren is, Ren is a person of color. So yeah. <laughs> oh yes. There's that. Okay. Um, yeah. but I always, I always, you know, I, I think of it as this, there should be more of this. Um, and I feel 
like, and I'm, and again, I've had this conversation with people, but I always feel like the marketing is very specific. Like when I think of a guy on a can, it's usually like a hipsterish kind of guy or, mm-hmm. you know, like one of our characters, everyone's always like, Oh, it's the Assassin's Creed guy. So it's like, it's these very specific kind of touch points. And if you were to make a can or a character that was non-white, people would lose their collective minds. So then you get into that whole, how do you do it without offending and making people think you're mocking them? That's right. Yeah. Because the ways that I think most people's minds would go, if you were like, okay, market this to a non-white person would just be, you know, stereotyping it. Like it, it would just, it would, like, like it, I think part of, a significantly big part of the cultural problem, uh, particularly around uh, like white privilege, is that most white people don't have much to go on other than stereotypes when they're dealing with non-white people. And so it becomes immensely difficult to be like, I want to do this, but I'm afraid to ask. And all I've got is like, well, what if we could get Michael Jordan to hold the can? Right. Like, <laughs> well, and that's the thing. Right. But I mean, it's like when you see. So let's when you see Gordy Levesque. Yeah. On that can, I can name like 20 guys that I personally know who look exactly like that guy. Yeah. Down to the clothing. Even. Oh, God. Yeah. Like it, yeah. they're all like spitting images of it and they all think it's so cool. Mm-hmm. But if you made, you know, a a character that was non-white, how do you do it? It's a black guy. He's got dreads. He's probably got a spliff. Or if he doesn't have yeah. a spliff, he has a Rasta hat, mm-hmm. um, you know, and he's like, it's probably eyes half closed. If it's a woman of color, she's got a huge butt. She's got huge boobs. And she's possibly giving you a come hither look. Yeah. Afro, don't forget an afro. Oh yeah, and like the most killer afro ever. As big as her butt. Oh god, bigger. But yeah. it's just like it Ideally. gets yeah, totally. But it gets to these points where you have to go into these weird characters and these like cartoonish characters for people to get what you're doing. But now you've offended everyone. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of that, well, how do you draw the line? Because it's, I mean, obviously, you know, a lot of us don't look like those things. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. And if we do, we're dressing up as Cleopatra Jones or like, you know, like. Yeah, it's a fancy dress party. Yeah, it's a fancy dress party. But we're like, we're poking fun at it, too. Yeah. And it's like, if you put that in a can, like the brewery would be firebombed and burned down the next day. Absolutely. So it's that weird, tricky, like, how do we do this? And there is no answer because there's no one even willing to like try and touch it. You know, it was interesting. And again, this might come off as kind of like a little bit stereotyping. Um, but I remember, was it two years ago when Bose did Golden Vox with Chaos? Yes. And I wondered, I thought, man, I wonder if that sort of reaching out partnership, not in a, like in a greedy way, like, oh, we need more people of color buying our beer, but just in a way that it's like, hey, that's a way that you can, in an uncliched way, uh, try and and yeah create a culture in the marketing of at least some beers that's like yeah like it doesn't have to be about a white lumberjack or a smoking hot white chick like there are other ways that we can do this i thought that was interesting but think of that label that label is a fox in an outfit it's not even a human 
Yeah. Right. Like you had to, you had to get away from it so far away that you said, we'll just throw an animal up in like rapper's clothing. Yeah. And it's funny cause I know that they made it in partnership with chaos and I bet it does say on the label, but it doesn't really say it like across the front of the label. So yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I know that Bose did do, Oh God, I'm totally going to mess it up. Um, they did like an Abbey beer with a bunch of baseball playing monk type guys. And one of them is black hmm. on the label. And it was, it, but it was a very like here, we just made a label. Yeah. I want more of that. That's what I want. I want, we just made a label. There's a bunch of guys on it and one happens to be black, like move on. They're just, it's really that they're playing baseball. Right. Yeah. 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 Because at the end of the day, it's like, you don't get a biscuit because you were like, well, we tried to be inclusive. Right. And again, fine line. Um, and it's, you know, if you go to like Halifax and like the second you get out outside of Ontario, yeah, people of color start showing up. So, huh. so it's this weird thing where I've had a bunch of, and of course it's always white guys telling me, well, you know, people of color don't do it in Ontario because it's really expensive. And it's like, so why, why is it that if I travel outside of Ontario, suddenly there are people of color doing things mm-hmm. and they're not, they're not doing it in large numbers. So I'm not saying like travel outside of Ontario and there are like a million of them, but it's, it's to the point where it just almost seems like Ontario has this weird problem. And is it because there's a bunch of white guys saying, well, it's just really expensive. So only white people can do it. Or is it this weird? Well, we tried to include you, but we couldn't find a way to like make a cartoon of you where you wouldn't kill <laughs> us and our families. Like it's just, it's, I also, cause I mean, I also have had this conversation with my friends of color the problem quote unquote is that they just don't like beer. They're Mm. huge. They're huge cider fans. So let's move to cider. You know, there's still not a lot of people of color in cider in Ontario. (laughs) Yeah. Like how many people can you name one? (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's interesting. I noticed, um, I think it was last year at a session. I was pleasantly surprised that I would still say half the crowd was white dudes, but the other half was a nice mix of uh, women and non-white people, predominantly uh, uh, dudes. Unfortunately, oh, yeah. not a lot, not a lot of uh, of female people of color there, uh, or I shouldn't say not a lot, but certainly not as much as there were dudes. But I thought, oh, something's going right here. I don't know if it's because it's in such a central spot or if it's marketing or in the booking of the entertainment or what the deal is. But, uh, I thought, man, that's more so than most other festivals I would go to that, uh, that festival is starting to shift more towards the middle, but still. Yeah. And I think, well, but I think they've also played it really smart. Like last year at session, we, you know, the society of beer drinking ladies took over a session Mm-hmm. Um, and probably got in a bunch of women who never would have gone otherwise. Yeah, totally. And who wanted access to those beers, but was like, eh, I don't know if I want to go. So, you know, once again, you get back to that same thing where when you think of these huge events where it's, you know, the women are going with their boyfriends, their husbands, their male friends, and they're not going as a, as a group of women. Um, I remember going with my wife to cask days, like, 
probably four years ago mm-hmm. and, and having this poor man, I wish I could find him again and just hug him. Um, because he was so excited that there were two women hanging out by themselves at this beer festival because all the women he'd seen otherwise were with guys. And it was like, with dudes. Yeah. but you know, it's that moment of like, just think about this for a second. But, <laughs> um, and he just, yeah. by the way, we're not unaccompanied. We're accompanying each other. <laughs> and, and he basically followed us around for the rest of the afternoon because he was just so amazed at it. Um, and, and, you know, and I ran into a bunch of, of my female friends and they sure enough were, accompanied by several men who were friends and boyfriends and husbands. And it's this weird, like you can't go by yourself or you can't just go with a bunch of women. Yeah. And again, I mean, that was four or five years ago, so it is changing and it's slowly changing, but that is still predominantly a guy's event. Yeah. And that has nothing to do with the people who are organizing it. It has nothing to do with the people who are running it. I think it's still just that, that overwhelming mindset of, you know, guys being like, I can go and get like the beer that I want here. So we're going to go in large numbers and women kind of being like, I went last year or my friend went the year before, and this was the experience. So like, let's go as bigger groups. And it's, yeah. and you know, and again, not bigger groups of, of all women. It's always women accompanied. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure someone right now is like, Oh my God, you are so wrong. And I would, I would love to be proved wrong. Because I just, I want to be like, I love craft beer. I love the industry. I love working in it, but I want to see it catch up a bit more. I want to go to an event where I'm not mansplained my own beer (laughs) (laughs) by, by a kid where I was like, I am old enough to be your mom, (laughs) (laughs) but it's just, it's those things that are still there. Yeah. Okay. So here's one more. So. Uh, again, filling in people at home, uh, covered off some gender based stuff. I, I don't think we're coming up with any necessarily solutions, but it's interesting to, you know, to consider even in this, I started thinking, I've never really thought about it this way before in terms of if you're running an event, the difficulty trying to make it a more gender, uh, friendly, gender neutral, not neutral, but you know what I mean? Like gender accepting, uh, venue, the actions that you have to take are very, 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 not just different. They're obviously going to be different, but you're attacking a completely different problem than one based on, on, uh, like race identity where it becomes, I mean, with gender-based stuff, it's, it's that there's, there's a problem that, you know, women might want to be coming, but they don't feel comfortable on the flip side of that. Obviously you're speaking anecdotally and I don't presume that you speak for, you know, all people of color, but you're like, you know, for a lot of my friends, there just isn't interest. And so it's like, man, like, you know, I, it's one of those things where like, again, I'm a, you know, white dude. And so it's like, Oh, like there's these problems and they're about equality and they probably have similar fixes. And it's like, no, 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 no. They have very, very, very different fixes. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think it's one of those things where it's kind of that, like the literal vicious cycle where you kind of make half a step forward you say something wrong or you say something incorrect or you think you're being really great and open, but Oh no, stop talking. Mm. <laughs> and then you take these massive steps backwards and then you have to fix what little progress you'd made you know, fix that relationship and then be able to move forward again. Yeah. And I just, I feel that as long as there are some people who speak louder than others and are able to get their message across, 
that say there isn't a problem, there's nothing to fix, it's always going to be that that issue of trying to to climb that that massive mountain. You know, there there are people like you. Um, there's uh, you know that Ben Johnson's been working on it. There's you know there there are people who are out there who are like I feel weird trying to fix the problem, so let me just try and help and understand. Mm-hmm. Because you know you're a white guy, and people are already kind of like, "Oh my God, you're a white guy. You can't tell us." But I think we also we also need to get over that and stop saying, "Well, you're a white guy. What do you know?" And it's like, well, there are a lot of white guys, and if we can get a bunch of those white guys to understand, or at least question, or at least just listen for a minute and say, "I don't have an answer, but thanks for bringing this forward. Who knows if we can ever fix it?" But let's try and update it or make people feel a little bit more comfortable that in the future we'll see those people showing up to these events or we'll see them brewing or we'll see them going to homebrew competitions or, or, or. Mm. And I think that those are things that, you know, it's the never ending conversation because that's how it goes. Um, and, you know, we're, we're starting to do things right. Like I said, there's way more women in craft beer than I'd ever seen before, um, specifically in Ontario and, and, you know, in Toronto and surrounding areas. Yeah. So we're getting to that point where, you know, more women are owners or co-owners of breweries. Um, you know, I always say like, don't look at Vancouver cause like every woman out there owns a brewery, <laughs> um, but it's just, you know, I mean, progress is being made. So bravo or brava. Um, <laughs> But I just, I feel like it's, it's one of those things where it's just, we're never going to stop talking about it because it's, it's one of those issues that will always be tricky. Yeah. And I think the point that you make, uh, that's a good one is that especially coming from, uh, a place where, you know, your experience, uh, I'm using a generic, you, not you, Ren, my experience is, uh, one of limited to no, um, you know, for any form really of, of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, discrimination. I can't believe it took me that long to come up with that word. Um, given the theme tonight, but, uh, having had, you know, virtually no, uh, discrimination against me in, in this sort of setting that one of the biggest things is just having the conversation and, 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 I mean, in this case, we're having it in a public way that people can listen into what we're saying, but that, uh, yeah, just continuing the conversation and, and being willing to listen to where the problems are, even if you don't uh, have a solution. That's I think that is a, an important step. Uh, one more uh, thing. We're getting dangerously close to the witching hour, but I think I'm going to go for it anyway. Um, and it's an interesting one because I f- feel like it isn't talked about much and so i'm curious from your perspective if it isn't talked about much because it isn't a problem or because it just isn't talked about much yet but what about lgbtq2 representation within the industry um i don't think it's out there enough uh and i I think it's also one of those those things where people were like i want to talk about it but i'm a little scared Mm -hmm. um you know there have been missteps in the past there have been bars that have made huge missteps and have had to backtrack and apologize and apologize. Um, and, and what I, what I feel and what I see lately, um, and I mean, I'm just, I'm old and jaded, but <laughs> it's well, and the, and the thing is like, it's, it's our spending money, right? A lot of us up till, till a certain point didn't have kids and we're totally like, 
you know, dinks, dual income, no kids. Yeah, for real. Um, I, I think that lately a lot more in that community are having kids. So now a lot of, you know, a lot of my friends are like, I'd love to go out, but babysitting duty or like, you know, my kid's only Mm -hmm. six months. So I think that's really starting to change in terms of how to market to it. When I think of pride, which is really just one massive consumer marketing moment, Mm -hmm. craft beer is still not breaking into it because craft beer doesn't have the money of the big guys. Sure. Yeah. No, it's, uh, yeah, (laughs) it's completely different scale. And because, you know, those of us of a certain age just remember it being marketed to that way. I think craft beer kind of has it like it's kind of a difficult way to break into it. Um, Mm -hmm. It's slowly changing once again, because, you know, kids are are coming out younger and realizing who they are at an earlier age. So they're much more aware of things and much more aware of their needs. And because, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of them are craft beer fans, I think that that shift is going to happen. Um, but it's also that same thing where it's, you know, back in the day, there was a pride beer made once. Okay. Uh, John Graham who owns church key actually has a collection of bottles of it. And I think it's from the eighties. And he had said when they were sold, they were sold in paper bags because you couldn't walk around publicly with it. Oh man. And it's, it literally just says pride. And then it's got a pink triangle on it. (laughs) So, you know, you see that at some point someone was like, we want to market to you, but we don't know how to do it. Right. And and even if we do get halfway there, we're probably going to cover it up for the public's sake. Because we really just want your money. Well, in, do you remember, I think for a year or two, Toronto Festival of Beer did the Thursday night was uh, queer beer night. Yes. And all of my straight friends went and they all had the best time ever. And Ace of Base played and then they got rid of it. And I, and God knows why they got rid of it. Yeah. I, I actually feel like I did know the reason why, um, or at least the sort of the company line anyway, but it's escaped me now. It was one of those things where I was like, yeah, I mean, I can understand what you're saying. Um, oh, you know, you know what it was? I'm pretty sure is they just, they weren't getting, uh, the, the marketing response from ticket sales. And I'm willing to bet there were probably some key sponsors who were like, Hey, we need, we need higher revenue off this night and it's just not happening. And they were like, it's just not viable, which is a shame. Cause I mean, sometimes you do something like that, not because it's a key moneymaker, but because it shows that you support something more than just supporting the Stella Artois line. But right? that's neither here nor there. I, but I, I also feel that one of those years was the year that the whole Coors, the Coors uh, controversy came out. Where where yeah. the their president was totally like, I don't want gay money. Oh. <laughs> and no. then and then they got pulled from like <laughs> I San can't Fran- believe I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, because they got pulled from San Francisco Pride and they were like, Why are we not making any money? And they were like, Oh no, you guys bought our beer. We said bad things. We are so sorry. Yeah. And I think I think it may have been around that time. So I'm sure they were like, Hey, we're not making enough money because we said something bad and now the public's punishing us. So we're gonna take this night away. Yeah, that would make sense. And and if I'm wrong, I would love for someone to be like, no, actually, this is what happened. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm sure. I, I don't know if the timeline, what the timelines were, but that sounds completely plausible. <laughs> like, I have no trouble believing that because that would fit the, well, it's just not, it's the, the revenue's not there. And it's like, yeah, maybe the problem was everyone was just spending money at the smaller breweries <laughs> and the big guys on the, on the perimeter weren't getting enough tokens. So, but yeah. yeah. And I just, but you know, so looping it all back, it's one of those things where when 
you market to a specific group that is non-white or is not heterosexual or not cis or, or, or they are suspicious. Right. Rightly so. Because if they are not your primary target market, why are they now your market? And the thing Mm -hmm. is you, you can get around it. I mean, companies everywhere else do this all the time, but I just feel like there's still enough people who are either making the decisions or primarily a group that is not um, discriminated against or is not supremely diverse being Mm -hmm. like, we know that if we do this, it will be seen as insincere. So let's just not do it. Right. You know, and when, when beer companies change logos or add rainbow flags to the back of their Twitter page or whatever for a month, I think you just want my money through the month of June. Mm -hmm. So I don't trust it. And, you know, and I know, I know a bunch of these places and I know a bunch of the the people who work there and I'm like, I know you're gay and that they support you. But when you put a marketing piece of a pride flag up for a month, I know you just want my money. Yeah. Like randomly throw it up in March, just randomly do it. That's (laughs) interesting. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Huh. And I just, I think that, you know, it's because people don't think about it. They're just like, well, I just want to show that I support you for this month. And it's like, well, yeah, but BMO also bizarrely supports me during that month and tells me that if I put money in my TFSA, I'll get a hundred bucks. Um, <laughs> so it's, you know, I'm sorry if I don't trust you when you do this. However, like you and 18,000 other companies suddenly care about me and my wallet and my needs. Hmm. And, you know, and that's that same thing when, you know, you market certain things to women. It's like, when are you doing this and how are you doing it? And it's, you know, I mean, it's just, it's this giant problem where I think we've almost gone too far where it's like, you have to prove that it's a good intention. Right. But if you're dealing with kind of the, you know, the, the majority um, of people who are in craft beer who are like white and straight and yada, yada, they don't question it. If you do this thing and you're like, I did this thing for you. Everyone's like, yeah, high fives. But the second you market it to like a minority group or like, you know, the, the lesbian gay trans, like, you know, just those guys were all like, why did you do that? Mm-hmm. So it's, that's interesting because I was thinking as you were saying that I was thinking about like barriers to access. And so at a festival, I mean, if somebody's being like verbally abusive in public, I think it doesn't matter why they're probably going to get shut down. But a brewery could have um, a a beer label that is directly referencing a young woman uh, uh, taking her top off for the enjoyment of the fellow uh, who may or may not be consuming the beer. And most people would shrug that off. But like. I wonder if people would be more quick to push back against a beer label that was homophobic. Uh, there, there as was opposed to gender. Was there, there? Yeah, there was one. Um, came out a few years ago, and it didn't last long. Hmm. But it was one of those things where it was like based on a true story, quote unquote, and was kind of an inside joke label, but it was sold to the public. And right. and the thing was, a lot of a lot of people loved it. And didn't see a problem with it. You mean the joke or the beer? Both. Uh-huh. So, so you know, there weren't a lot of people who were like, hey, wait a minute. That's not okay. cool. 
Yeah. And then, you know, a few people did complain later on, but it's this weird thing where it's like, you can, there's still, you can make a certain group of people a punchline and it takes a little longer for someone to be like, Hey, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. Whereas we can get mad about other things really quickly. And you know, it's, it gets identified and corrected and apologies are made immediately. Mm -hmm. So I mean, yeah, I don't know. Like I, I, don't know what the solution is. I don't know if it's, you know, does someone create a task force where every so often people sit down and kind of say, this is why I did this thing. Because I, because well, the thing is, I think that if you make a label that someone, that enough people have a problem with, because someone is always offended by everything. Sure. But, <laughs> but if you have a group of people being like, dude, what have you done? You should be able to, or you should have to be able to turn around and say, this is why we did it cannot use the words we were just kidding right and explain it fully be an adult because you know mm. in your day-to-day life <laughs> when you do weird things people are like yo what'd you do and you have to explain it so yeah. if you if you pick a label that people are just like what you gotta say this is why we did it and yeah you know like maybe you're right this was a bad thing like you know there was the brewery that had the Oh, God, I, I honestly, I wish I can remember the name of the brewery. They came up with that beer called Date Grape. Oh, uh, yeah, there was a U.S. brewery, right? I think. I'm I not think even, so. I'm not even sure, but they came up with that name. Everyone obviously lost their minds, <laughs> and right. they and they came back and said, "Okay, so we totally made a mistake. Next time, we're actually going to sit down and like veto our names." And most people were like, "Yeah, that's cool. That's a really great explanation." And I was like, "Seriously." Someone pitched that and an entire room of people were like, boom, go with it. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> you know, and yeah. it's just, and, and for, for what I remember of that, they were just like, we're not going to do it again. But if a restaurant does something like that, the restaurant then has to donate money and their staff has to go through sensitivity training. And so I think and feel that craft beer needs to kind of get to that point where when you make a misstep, that is that massive. You can't just be like, Sowie, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, we'll vote on it properly next time. It needs to be like, Oh my God, we totally messed up. Here's X amount of money to our favorite charity. Maybe we like sit down and get someone to train us on like why that was a bad idea. Mm-hmm. And it just, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like we obviously live in a really awesome bubble of craft beer, but every so often that bubble gets a little overcarbonated. Yeah, it definitely does. It's interesting. I was thinking about that, like my immediate thought, because I'm such a, you know, I believe in the system kind of guy. I'm like, yeah, I mean, there's 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 potential for like human rights tribunal issues against sorts of advertising and marketing and stuff. I stopped and I thought about it and I'm like, no, like that's not the way to fix this problem. Right. Like the way forward is like the restorative where like what it needs is it needs people who are willing to hear when they're wrong. Um, And I think that's probably going to be where the whole the argument turns, whether it works or it doesn't is. uh, Yeah, somebody it isn't just enough to say, oops, we screwed up, but it needs to be you need to be hearing from the people who were affected and then you need to be willing to work with those people to move forward. And that's that's cultural, right? That's something that, that we don't have right now in any of the three, uh, sort of, 
uh, not themes. What's the word I'm looking for here? Demographics. Those are all the wrong word, but you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> That, that we don't have a sense of that for any of it. So that when you do call out a sexist label, it's, oh, we're just kidding. It's like, no, I think if we want to be better as an industry, it's going to need people who are willing to own their mistakes better than that. Yeah. And, but, and just that's be, not a solution. Unfortunately, <laughs> let's just be better. Well, yeah, exactly. Just, just be better. Like, let's just be better humans. Yeah. I just, you know, and I mean, there are, there are like quasi uproars, but they're always quiet enough. And, and I mean, old guy moment uh, <laughs> with the, with the age of the internet and everyone having access to like cat videos and, you know, being able to be anonymous when they're just ripping someone a new one, it makes it really hard. I think for a brewery to be like, well, I guess we can work on this. But when someone's basically like getting down to like, five-year-old language being like you're a bunch of stupid poo heads and your labels suck mm. use your words be constructive say i really love your beer and i really love your products however my problem as a woman of color who is gay who is you know a big craft beer fan your label alienates me in the following ways I, maybe they'll just send me a coupon for a free beer. I don't know, but it's just, <laughs> right. we need, but we need to get to that point where we're able to have a real dialogue mm -hmm. instead of just saying, well, I don't know, like white people just really like beer. I don't, I don't know why people of color don't like it. Like that's not a thing. I mean, mm -hmm. we, we can all say it, but that solves nothing that moves the conversation half an inch forward. Just say, I know people of color who really enjoy beer, but they don't feel comfortable going to bars. You know, is there a way to do a night where someone does a tasting with like a group of people or whatever? And mm -hmm. e and even if it goes down in flames, at least you're like, we tried. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, it's just all you need to do is we tried. Yeah. And like you say, the, the effort, the, the intention needs to be one of sincerity. Like you're not doing it because you're trying to capitalize on a chunk of un, uncapitalized dollars. Like you're doing it because you genuinely want to make the, the, the place that you work more inclusive. And and if that's that's the thing, I think even if you get it wrong, I mean, if you get it real wrong and that's another story, but if you get it wrong, but you were genuinely trying, I think that means that you're already in that place where you will hear that and then you will work with the feedback. Um, so that's, yeah. And I think a lot of breweries really are doing that. Um, and then there are a lot of breweries who are just like, I'm sorry, it was just a joke. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, when, when someone calls you out, like, don't, don't get your backup. We all want to get our backup because no one wants to be called out. But at the same time, it's like, you also don't want to lose what could have been a diehard fan because you took a really weird, lame route to be like, well, we're just kidding. And it's an inside joke. And like, you won't get it. Right. And it's, yeah, I don't, I just, I think that it's, this is, I think the reason that I'm always willing to talk about this and we'll probably talk about it. Like this is going to be like in my dying breath, it's going to be, what about the sexist labels? And then I die. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I think it's one of those things where it's like, we need to keep talking about it. And, and I really, I just, I keep talking about it because I'm so passionate about it, but I have no answer for it, which is why I keep talking about it.
because yeah. it's just, I have suggestions and I have moments of like, I got no idea. Like you've got me stumped. But if we keep talking about it, maybe one day someone will show up and be like, actually carry the four. Here's your correct answer. Yeah, that's right. Like, by the way, I've been working on this and uh, here's the answer is uh, we got it. We just need to implement now. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, you mentioned this. You said it. I shouldn't say mentioned it. You said it very clearly. I think it bears repeating um, as much as it's important that we need, you know, marketers and brewers and whoever being willing to, to listen. I think it's important, especially um in the same way, uh, of the age of the internet has, has, you know, led us to people who can be pretty like lowbrow in their criticisms. Um, it's also led to people who can be pretty self-righteous in their criticisms. And so it's as important that, uh, particularly if you're bringing a complaint, not as a person from the affected group, but as just an, an observer saying, Hey, this is not okay. The way that you have that conversation, the way that you start it needs to be one where your intention is dialogue and your intention is restoration of the situation as opposed to being right. Um, and I think that, that's, uh, that goes a long way. Uh, you're always going to get the, the douchebags who'll be like, Oh, it's just a joke, bro. But there is a big middle ground. I bet there where the response from whoever you reach out to will vary depending on how you reach out. And, uh, I know, not from experience, but from, uh, anecdote when you're coming from one of the groups being directly affected, maybe your reaction is going to be a little bit more heavy handed and you know what? That's maybe not okay, but it's, it's, uh, it's a given. Like if you spend enough time getting pissed on, eventually you snap and lash out and I give, I give space for that. But if the, uh, the conversations and the effort can be one of dialogue, uh, that is, uh, that is a good thing, I think. Oh, for sure. And I mean, that's, that's how things have to start because, you know, it's, it's easy to be just angry and lash out. But if the person that you're being angry and lashing out with is like, I had no idea, like it's, you know, it's not a tread lightly, but it's use your words, just be, be constructive, mm -hmm. you know, and it's just because no one ever wants someone to show up and be like, you are racist. You want to shut a conversation now? You, you call someone racist. Mm -hmm. there, there's no coming back from that. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, you, you could, you bring up Hitler too. That helps. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you remind me of a young Hitler conversations right. over. It's done. And yeah. I, yeah. And I, th I think that we, you know, we really need to, to keep avenues open. And it's just, it's one of those things where I, um, I just saw some comments online that they had posted about, we're doing a bevy in March where it's, it's an all female beer festival. Mm -hmm. And the first three comments are guys being like, so if I did an all male festival, like that would be okay. And it's like, dude, that's Toronto festival of beer. <laughs> well, and the other thing is, it's like, hey, bro, you haven't obviously seen the cute meme that goes around that shows the difference between equality and justice. <laughs> equality would be we could do it that way. Justice is we admit that there's a systemic problem and we need to work to overcome it. Yeah. And I mean, you know, again, not knocking Toronto Festival of Beer because the organizers work their butts off. But mm -hmm. most beer festivals are dude festivals. So yeah. to see, to see these guys being like, well, why won't, why won't you invite me to your thing? Oh my God. And then calling us every day in the book. And it's like, this is why there's still a problem. Yeah. And this is why 
groups like us and Barley's Angels and like, you know, the Pink Boot Society and all of these things still exist because you are totally butthurt that you can't come to our party. But whenever we come to your party, we're the dancers. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. and it's just it's like this is this is why it's not changing fast enough. Having having gone to Vancouver last summer and seeing a million, you know, a million women, <laughs> so it seemed, um, owning owning breweries or being head brewers was amazing. Like I remember being like, "Where are all the female sales reps?" And I was like, "Oh, you don't have any because you guys all run the breweries, right?" And it's just, it's I don't I don't know how long it'll take us to get to that level, but I want to see it where it's like actually getting closer. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Like again, with that idea, like where's the person with the answer? I'm just like, I mean, I think slowly it certainly is changing. The industry is changing for the better, but it is, it's a slog. And yeah, I mean the big focus that most people bring up and what we talked about right off the top is about gender stuff, but there's a host of other issues about making an equal and, you know, uh, accessible environment for everybody. We haven't even touched on there's, there's, there's more, you know, uh, gr- groups of disaffected people within the craft industry that we haven't touched on. And, uh, and it's like, yeah, every, <laughs> every step we make forward in, in one group, it's like, well, yeah, but what if, uh, like we, we haven't touched first nations yet. Yeah. <laughs> like where's, where's first nations in craft brewing? Yeah. What's exactly. Up? Right. So, uh, it is, it, it feels monumentally huge and, and I'm just staying away from impossible because it's not impossible, but my gosh, it's challenging. It's difficult. Oh, definitely. But I, you know what? I have faith. I think, I think at some point we can make it to the point where it's not, you know, I just, I'm going to say we're going to make it to the point where when I have these thoughts about these ridiculous labels, I don't start singing Frank Zappa's titties and beer. (laughs) Maybe that'll be the intro. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's cap it. It is late and my voice is turning into jazz voice. I'm going to flip over to CBC Radio 2 and uh, introduce some songs by, uh, yeah, that's Jimmy Swanson on the clavs. Anyway, um, (laughs) we always wrap up talking about what's coming down the pipe. I am still going to Nicaragua in T-minus. Oh, good golly. Nine days. (laughs) Scary. Um, But there are probably some beer events coming down the pipe. You guys have got, uh, you said February 18th is the, remind me the name. Uh, It is Women in Beer, and that's hosted at The Craft in Tirana. And I did get February 18th, right? Yes, you did. And then February 22nd, we're actually doing a beer dinner. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's beer and chocolate. And that, yeah, so that, that'll be good too. Um, and then, you know, next week I'm going to be hopefully talking to Avon from uh, Amsterdam brew house about beer and food. Amazing. Yep. I'm going to listen to that one. Yep. Yeah. And then March 31st is our big bevy. Nice one. I know, I don't know the dates, but it's got to be coming up. I always, <laughs> we always like, uh, can be kind of like, uh, either we just had a great time at the only whichever season craft beer fest, or it's got to be coming up. I think it's coming up. Uh, 
And uh, Roundhouse Winter Craft Beer Fest, do you know you got any deets on that? Uh, that is February 11th, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, completely mm-hmm. sold out. Looks like it's going to be a fun time. And I'm going to be in Toronto for it. So. Woohoo. That's actually Ben's half birthday party we're having because Ben and his buddy both are August babies. Nils might be July, but whatever, summer, summer babies. And so they don't often get to do the the big, you know, bring a bunch of buddies out birthday parties. So we're doing half birthday for them this year and it's that day. So oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I think that means I'm going to take a pass on the craft beer festival, though. But yeah, I get to them a lot. So it's not the end of the world. It's all good. Um, people, if they want to reach out to you, you on Twitter or any of that fancy stuff? I'm on all the social media things um, because I'm exciting. It is all 35 mm monkey. So 35 millimeter monkey. Yeah. And uh, that is Instagram and Twitter. Um, and yeah, don't add me on Facebook cause that's creepy. It is kind of weird. It is, yeah. I do a lot of public stuff cause that's just kind of my jam. And one day I looked at like the number of people who follow me, which means that like either they requested to be friends and I said no, or they didn't even request. They just followed me. It's not that high, but it was like higher than I was expecting. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Oh, and just that it's like, I don't know, something about following on Facebook just feels weird. Anyway, uh, we'll put all that stuff in the show notes. Uh, Ren's happy to engage in the conversation, uh, even if we don't come up with the solution off the top of our heads. Let's keep it rolling, keep it going. And uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll be back, like I say, hopefully next week with uh, Chef Avon Wells and uh, we'll talk a bit food and beer. Ren, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Glad we finally got it sorted out. <laughs> I know, seriously, this is great. Yeah, maybe we'll do it again. Maybe when we've fixed the problem. No, we'll do it before that anyway. We'll do it before that. (laughs) Definitely. All right, thanks for joining me. Uh, And uh, everyone listening, thank you. We'll talk to you next week.